Welcome. Thanks for joining us today on the Venture Podcast. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you along your journey. Well, Venture, it's good to be with you this weekend as we continue this series, Cocoon. And in this series, remember, we're we're preparing now. We're looking at ways that we can prepare while we're sheltering in place, while we've been uh, in this weird season that we've been in. And as we hopefully see it coming to an end, what are the things that we can prepare? Remember, we've been looking spiritually, emotionally, relationally. Today, I want us to talk about, I think, one of the most important subjects, not only for this time, but in Scripture. How do we prepare financially? And as I say that, I I recognize so many of you have been impacted by this pandemic financially. Some of you have been furloughed or you've lost jobs. Some of you have had a pay cut. Some of you see your business that you don't know how to keep it afloat even in the next few weeks. And and I'll just say at the outset, I I wish I had a message or a quick way of fixing all that. I, I don't. But do know this, if there's one thing that I pray about personally that we pray as a church about, it's for those who've been impacted in this arena, recognizing the impact on you and your home and your family. If there's one thing I know in a time like this is the truth of scripture really speaks to it. And that's why I'd encourage you to go back to the Bible practically when it talks about finances. If we put in place the practical advice of the Bible, it helps us in times like this. But today, in this weekend, I really want us to think about it at a heart level. And if we're honest, we wrestle with money, not just in times like this, but in life. I love the honest admission of Philip Yancey. Uh, Yancey's a, a Christian writer, author, speaker. He's always been one of my favorites. Listen as he says, he says, many Christians have one issue that haunts them and never falls silent. For some, it involves sexual identity. For others, it's a permanent battle against doubt. The issue that haunts me is money. It hangs over me. It keeps me off balance, restless, uncomfortable, nervous. I feel pulled in opposite directions over the money issue. Sometimes I want to sell all that I own and join a Christian commune and live out my days in intentional poverty. At other times, I want to rid myself of guilt and enjoy the fruit of our nation's prosperity. He ends it with this, mostly I wish that I did not have to think about money at all, but I must. I must come somehow to terms with the Bible's very strong statements about money. You know, there's few topics that the Bible speaks about more. There's few things that that are more direct. And you'll find in Scripture truth for every season, even a season like this. You know, Jesus spoke a lot about it. He spoke a lot about money, about treasures, about where our heart is. And, And if you've got a Bible, you can turn to Luke 16. I'll walk you through it. In it, he tells one of the most interesting stories, one of, one of his most interesting parables. It has a twist in it, and, and he teaches in a way that only Jesus can, but it has such great principles for us, especially in a time like this. Look at Luke 16, starting at the beginning of the chapter. Jesus said to his disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him, to the rich man, 
that this man was wasting his possessions. Rich man, he had a manager over his possessions. And someone comes to the rich man and says, hey, the manager is wasting your money. He's not managing it well. And so he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Turn in your account of management for you can no longer be manager. It's over. Your job's done. You're finished. Now as the passage continues, Jesus says, and the manager said to himself, what shall I do since the master is taking my management away from me? Uh, I love his honesty. He says, I'm not strong enough to dig. I can't do manual labor. And I'm ashamed to beg. I'm too proud to beg. I have decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So he's sitting there thinking, he goes, man, it's about over. I've got to turn in my management. I've got to turn over the authority. I've got this short window of time to do something about it. Look as he continues. So what does he do? So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first one, how much do you owe the master? And he said, well, I owe him a hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, take your bill and sit down and quickly write 50. While I'm still in charge, I'm going to reduce your debt. You owe 100, write 50 and you're good to go. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? And he said, well, I owe 100 measures of wheat. And he said to him, take your bill and write 80. He's going down the line of all the people that owe his master. And he said, I'm going to reduce their debts for them. Now, if, if you look at this, you go, man, this is pretty devious. Man, how is Jesus going to address this? He's about to hammer this. But here's where the twist comes in the story. Look at it. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. Even the master goes, man, that is one smart guy. Man, he, he was thinking ahead in it. And then Jesus says, for the sons of this world, people of this planet, are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. He's saying, hey, people of the world are smarter with this money stuff than Christians are a lot of times. They're more shrewd about it. And then he says to him, and I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, by money here, so that when it fails, and I love that he puts that line there, he says, this unrighteous wealth, money, resources, possessions, no matter how much it is, there always comes a time when it fails. But when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. That like the unrighteous manager, like the, the shrewd steward, who in the short window he had, he got, said, okay, how do I use this money now, especially for the people on the other side of it? who I'm going to need and in the process. Now, I told you it was a strange story. It's really not what you expect out of it. But, but in it, Jesus is teaching us some core principles that I think if we grasp them now at a heart level, they would serve us well. Now, I wanna walk you through five principles out of this passage and then the verses that follow from Jesus. Look at the first one. The first one is the principle of stewardship principle of stewardship. It's so clear. It's taught all the way through the Bible, but it's so clear in this story. And here's the principle that goes with it. All money is the master's money. All of it is the master's. The manager never owned any of it. 
Why did he get in trouble to begin with? He got in trouble because he was wasting the master's money. He wasn't stewarding it well. And there's a core principle that Jesus wants us to grasp out of this, that all of it, notice I put capital master, because the master in the story ultimately represents God. Guys, everything is God's. All of it. Everything you own. Everything you put your name to. There's not a dime in your bank account. There's not a part of your 401k. Your cars, your boat, your house, every square foot of land, every painting on your wall, every bit of jewelry that you own, every single bit of it is God's. The earth is the Lord's. All of it is the master's. And and if we grasp that, it would help us so much. It would change the way we see so much when we go through times like this. See, my problem is, it's so quick for me to think, you know, I worked hard. I'm doing this. It's mine. I signed that loan. I signed for that. I paid for that. This is mine. And, And when you have that mentality... You can even be faithful in ways. I might budget in ways. I may even give to God. I may even give tithing faithfully and give 10% of my income or more. And I give it to God and I give it to the church, which is a good thing. But if my mentality is, okay, I gave God his part. And now this is my part. And God should be happy with me. I mean, look how much I gave. But this is mine. But see, that misses the core principle, guys. The core principle starts with, man, it was all God's. And it's still all God's. And and that doesn't change in this. You and I, we're nothing more than stewards in it. You know, Wayne Watts talks about an oil man who, who one day in his oil field, he hit a gusher. And literally overnight, he doubled his wealth. And and one of his friends said to him a couple days later, he says, what does it feel like that suddenly you double your wealth? Listen to his response. He was a Christian. He said, my assets haven't changed actually. I didn't own the first money. So I own the same amount now as before, which is zero. And listen to this line though. He says, I feel an added responsibility to God to manage this new asset well. And this guy gets it. He said, I I didn't own that. Now God has given me more responsibility because really that's what comes with all wealth. There's a stewardship. There's a responsibility. We are managers. And God looks to us and he says, how are you managing that well? And you give an account for that. Now I remember the, the first time I really grasped this. I was pretty young in our marriage and I was studying these principles and, and Lee and I were doing pretty well. I mean, we had no kids, double income. And as I looked at it, I, I was really convicted. I thought, I'm not stewarding this well. And it was funny, that afternoon, right when I was studying it, I had a guy call from high school, a guy I knew from high school, not very well. We weren't close friends. In fact, I was surprised he was calling because this was years later. And he's calling, he's like, hey, Tim. And he's calling like we're old buddies. Now, I came to find out pretty quickly, he had just launched in a multi-level marketing company and he's recruiting people. And I don't fault him. I mean, he's working it, working every relationship he may have ever had. 
But we're kind of doing the small talk and everything. And I, again, I don't know why he called. And, and then finally, he, I remember he turned. He goes, oh, man, it is so good to catch up. And I'm sitting there thinking, yes, yeah, since we never really were caught up to begin with. And he goes, Tim, I want to ask you a question, though. And I, here came the script. He goes, would you like to have more money? You know, when he said it, I go, well, it's interesting you say that. I, I've just been thinking about money. And oh man, he was like a, a shark on chum. He, he, he immediately goes, well, you've been thinking about money? How would you like to have more money? I said, oh, I got a problem though. He said, what's the problem? I, I, I said, well, I'm sitting here looking at it and I realized I don't think I steward my money very well. I don't think I've been real responsible with the money I have. So he said, so you want more money? I said, no, I think that would even add to the problem. If I had more money, then that's more money I'm not stewarding well. And then I'm that more, much more irresponsible. And, and the phone kind of went silent. He didn't really have a line for that in the script. Now, I, I got to tell you, I'm sounding a lot more spiritual in the story than I was. Yeah, a, a lot of it, I was being a little bit of a wise acre, wise aleck. Yeah, that's, that's the word I was looking for. I was being a smart aleck um, a little bit. But, but there was some truth in it as well. I wasn't stewarding well. And adding more money wasn't going to help. And finally, after a moment of silence, he, he turned it and he said, well, if you don't want more money, he goes, you know, these vitamins I'm selling, they really help people. Would you like to help people? And I remember saying to him, you know, you probably should have led with that one. That could have been a little better. But no, I'm not interested. Guys, here's the reality. Whether you have a little or a lot, we're just managers. And, and in some ways, we want more so much, but with that comes a responsibility. Now, here's the second principle that comes out of this. So there's a principle of urgency. There's a principle of urgency in this story. And here's what it means. You have a limited time to use money well. The, the manager looks up and he realizes, man, I got a short window. I better do something with it now. The clock is ticking and, and as soon as this is over, it's over. And I'm not going to have any more uh, ability to be able to impact it. And guys, whether we realize it or not, the same is true for us. The clock's ticking. We have a limited amount of time. And you don't know how much time it is. And you don't know how quickly it can change in that. And in that limited time, how are we using the resources well? Even if you live a lifetime, guys, even if you have decades ahead of you, do you realize compared to eternity, it's just a blip? And Jesus uses this story to, to kind of awaken in us a healthy sense of urgency. That this realization that, that even if I collect a lot, I can't take it with me. It's going to end. Remember he said in the story, <clears throat> unrighteous wealth, when it fails, when it's gone, someday you're going to be buried. And you know, you, you never see a hearse dragging a U-Haul with all the stuff. Now, I've said that over the years. I, I remember years ago, there was a funeral we did, and I was a part of a funeral. And uh, the guy that the funeral was for was not really a church guy. In fact, we did it basically because his son was on staff, and, and we wanted to honor his son as much as anything. But it, it was a pre, he's a pretty wild guy. The hardest part of the funeral was figuring out where to seat all of his ex-wives and girlfriends. I'm, I'm not lying. It was pretty complicated. But this guy had written in his will, he wanted one thing at his funeral. 
He actually wanted a U-Haul connected to his hearse. That was kind of his final joke. His way of kind of snubbing at, oh, all the people that have said that. And, and I looked at it, you kind of shake your head and laugh, but there's another part of it, uh, uh, if I could say to him and say to anyone, you're just proving the point. You're just proving what it says. Because you got a U-Haul connected, but you know what? It's empty. And even if we were to put all your stuff in it, even if we were to bury it with you, you don't take it with you. And we have this limited window now to be able to use it well. That, that as we think about it, and, and I think about my own life as a steward. You know, when am I more liable to waste time? When I think I have a lot of time. I go, oh, it doesn't matter if I waste a little bit here. When are we more liable to waste money? When we think it's all ours and we got a lot of it and I'll just waste a little bit. And Jesus is calling us. He says, hey, you need to realize there's a healthy sense of urgency to have. Now, years ago, Stephen King, the horror novelist, I mean, he's written so many books. He's made tons of money, movies, and all that came out of it. He, he was walking down a, a, a highway in Maine. He was walking down the road, and he was hit by a car. And, and through that experience, it really changed him a lot. In fact, he gave a commencement address to Vassar College. And listen to his words at Vassar. He said, I found out what you can't take it with you means. I found out while I was lying in the ditch at the side of a country road covered with mud and blood and with my tibia of my right leg poking out the side of my jeans like a branch of a tree taken down in a thunderstorm. I had a MasterCard in my wallet, but when you're lying in a ditch with broken glass in your hair, no one accepts MasterCard. We all know that life is ephemeral. But on that particular day and in the months that followed, I got a painful but extremely valuable look at life's simple backstage truths. We come in naked and broke. We may be dressed up when we go out, but we're just as broke. Warren Buffett is gonna go out broke. Bill Gates is going out broke. Tom Hanks is going out broke. Steve King broke, not a crying dime. All the money you earn, all the stocks you buy, all the mutual funds you trade, all of that is mo mostly smoke and mirrors. So I want you to consider making your life one long gift to others. And why not? All that you have is on loan anyway. All that lasts is what you pass on. We have the power to help, the power to change. And why should we refuse? Because we're going to take it with us? Oh, please. Right now, we have the power to do great good for others. So I ask you to begin giving and to continue as you begin. I think you'll find in the end that you've got far more than you ever had and did more good than you ever dreamed. Here's all he's saying. He's saying in these words what Jesus is teaching in this story. That, that in this limited window, in this time, while you're stewarding what God has, how are you using it? How are you using it in preparation for what really is going to last? See, that's the, the third principle that we see in this is this in principle of investment. Principle of investment, and here's the principle. You can impact people eternally based on how you use money now. You, you, you have the impact of impacting people and lives based on what you do with the resources now. Now, in the story, 
In the story, the steward, the manager, he had to go use the money in a way that his manager really didn't plan for. Here's the difference for us. When we impact people, when we give, when we do this, we're actually doing what our master wants us to do. It's what scripture calls us to do. And we have the opportunity in that to impact people eternally. Uh, Jesus said, I love that last line, he said, what are you doing now that they will welcome you when you show up there? What what, what is the welcome party in heaven going to look like for you? Now let me be clear. Because anytime you talk about eternity, anytime you talk about heaven, especially when you link it to giving, there's no part of scripture that says, oh, I got to give, I got to do this, I got to manage well in order to be welcomed into heaven in order to be able to go to heaven. That's not what scripture teaches. Here's the clear teaching of scripture. We will be welcomed by God. We will be welcomed by Jesus Christ if we've put our faith in him and nothing else. It's not based on what I give. It's not based on what I do. It's based on what he did. It's based on what is done. And when he died on the cross, when he paid my debts, when he forgave my sins, when he extends that gift, scripture says, man, if I confess with my mouth that he's Lord, if I believe in my heart that he was raised from the dead, then I am saved. And I can promise you this, if that is true about you, you will be welcomed by Christ in heaven. And I would encourage you, if you don't know that's true about you, you need to know that's true today. Today! Why put it off? Today's the day of salvation. But as you think about being welcomed by God and welcomed by Christ, here's the other picture that Jesus expands a little bit. Who else is standing there? Who who are the other people? And I'm not just talking about friends and loved ones that, that you love. I'm talking about the people that you impacted by what, how you served, and particularly in this story, how you gave. The, the people that would welcome you, what does your welcome party look like? And, and, and I say this, and, and I want to just say, Venture, you are so generous. You've been so generous during this time. For, for our weekly giving to stay right on budget, even while we've gone through this crisis, for the faith promise giving to stay right on budget, and all the ways that you give. And when you give that, here's the reality. In your giving, man, you're, these messages go out. Our ministry continues. We're able to counsel and meet with people. We're able to help with marriages. We're able to help in homes. We're able to help across the city. We're able to do things we would never do. And whether you realize it or not, you're giving to that. One day, you're going to walk into heaven somebody's going to walk up to you and go, hey, I was impacted because you gave. I heard the good news. I was sitting in my pajamas. And in my pajamas, I heard what Jesus Christ had done for me. And and I made that decision there, and my eternity was changed. And that never would have happened except that you gave. You meet young people that go, man, I came to a student event. I was impacted with that. My marriage was safe because you gave. Our family was on a new course because you gave. I overcame addiction because you gave. Man, my anxiety that had crippled me suddenly started feeling breakthrough in it because you gave. It changed our home, changed our household, changed my future. 
See, it'll be that point then. We don't see it now, but God will connect the dots then. And, and right now when we give, it feels so anonymous and institutional, especially if you give online and you kind of click a button and it's debit cards and all that. And it can almost feel so cold. Let me tell you, one day it's going to feel very personal. And I'm going to tell you, Venture, the way you have given in this crisis right now, you know, we, we put forward and said we were going to move money into a COVID-19 fund. As a church, we just went ahead and allocated. And, and then you started giving. Do you realize to this point, to that COVID fund, and this is on top of all of our other budget, $193,000 have been given. And of that, we've been able to give away $103,000 domestically and about $35,000 internationally. And, and here's what that has meant. We, we have had families, almost 60, 65 families who didn't have rent money, who didn't have food money, who were laid off immediately, and we can help provide resources to them immediately, and we've been following up with them as well. We've been able to partner with the city team. We've partnered with Cathedral of Faith and food banks. We've been able to help house doctors and nurses who've been quarantined during the front line while they're serving. We're helping pay for their housing in that. We've been able to pay for COVID tests for homeless people. We've been able to provide food internationally in India and Ethiopia and the Middle East. People that have been impacted, they don't have anything to eat. And we've provided meals for hundreds of them because you gave, because you've been generous. Guys, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about in this story. And, and we don't even realize now the impact that will have, but one day we will. And, and I just, I commend you and I applaud you, but I encourage you, this shouldn't just be a crisis mentality. This should be life. Then we're always thinking about who am I investing in? The only things that will last in eternity are the word of God and people. And when we use those resources now to invest in his word going out and people, we know we're investing eternally. In fact, Jesus continues on in that, just a few more principles. He says, one who's faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. One who's dishonest in a very little is dishonest in much. This goes back to your stewardship. If then... You've not been faithful in unrighteous wealth. If you've not been faithful in the money of this world, who will entrust you the true riches? That's an interesting line. If you've not been faithful in that which is another, if you've not been faithful in stewarding all of God's stuff, who will give you that which is your own? And, and both these lines stand out to me. He, he's talking about that there is a, a true riches that will come and you'll have that which is your own. And again, I go back to that stewardship principle. Everything that you call yours, you've never actually owned it yourself. Your name may be on it, but it's God's. But Jesus then says, yeah, but there'll come a day when, when you're actually going to get true riches. Hmm. Everything that you consider riches of this world doesn't compare to that. And you'll actually own it. Isn't that, isn't that fascinating? You've never owned anything, but the day comes when you could actually own. Now, here's the principle out of it. That he's, it's the principle of reward. It's the principle of reward. Why stewardship leads to eternal riches. Why stewardship leads to eternal riches. We don't like talking about it a lot. 
we kind of shy away from it and that. Scripture talks a lot about it. Paul talks a lot about it. How you steward your life now, what you do with it, and particularly what you do financially with it has an impact then and, and how it shapes then. And we don't understand all the parts at work, but, but notice even as Jesus, look how he puts it. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And I like this line though. We don't think about it this way, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Jesus says, man, you start banking it now. You you don't shy away from it. Lay up for yourselves. And and the great news, moth, rust, thieves, nothing can take it away. It's true riches. And and it directs you for where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Guys, we don't even know what the true riches are. I can only imagine the currency of heaven. I mean, can, can you fathom that? What it's going to be like, if the streets are made out of gold, if gold is your pavement, man, can you imagine what they actually consider rich in heaven? And we serve a God who loves to reward. He loves to reward us. He loves to reward you. And and this awesome way that he sets it up, we don't even deserve to be there, much less that we would be rewarded there. But he says, you've got this limited window now and how you use it and how you invest it it will impact your life there. It'll impact reward there. It'll impact responsibility there. And when you step back and look at it that way, you go, why would we not invest now? I mean, is there anything more foolish than investing everything here where I can't take it here with me? Everything here where it's vulnerable to moth and rust, it breaks, somebody could steal it. It could disappear overnight. Or do I think about there? Do I focus on what's to come? And as I do do that, you know what it does? It starts aligning my heart as well. Where your treasure is, where you invest, man, your heart goes there. It speaks to the last principle that Jesus talks about. The last principle, no servant can serve two masters. This is how he concludes the story in Luke 16. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. You can't serve both. And here's the final principle out of it. It's the principle of devotion. And Jesus makes it so explicitly clear. Look at the principle. You're either serving God with your money or serving money as your God. It's one or the other. I mean, there's no middle ground. Either the money and resources you have, you are seeing that as a stewardship and you're using them to serve God or you've turned them into your God. And hear me, guys. I hope you hear in this message and you hear in this story. This is not an attack on money. It's not an attack on wealth. The Bible does it. Money is a great resource, but it's a horrible God. And if you make it your God, if you make it your source of security, no matter how much you have, it will never be enough. And now's the perfect time to evaluate. You know, we're going into a season, and, and honestly, we don't know what's coming. I've listened to different economists. Some talk about a quick bounce back. Some talk about a recession. Some talk about a depression, a global depression that could come out of it. And we don't know. And it scares us. And if money is your God, 
man, it panics us. But if God is God, and if all of it is his, we may go into a season where he says, you know, I want you to steward a little less than you had before. We may have a season that it continues to open up that we can use these resources to impact people like never before. Guys, it's opening doors. It's giving opportunity. And we could use that for the sake of the kingdom. Regardless of where you are, this is the perfect season to step back and evaluate. How do I think about those resources? How do I think about my finances? Do I really believe it's all his? Do I have a sense of urgency about it? Or do I think I got a lot of time and a lot of money and I'm wasting some? Kind of like that manager. Do I think about it as an investment that every resource I have, man, this is an opportunity to help somebody else. This could shape their eternity. And they could be part of the welcome party one day when we're sitting around connecting dots. And I could humbly have a part of that. Man, I can't think of anything better. And then to think God actually rewards on top of that. And he's commanding me, man, I should be laying up those treasures. See, all of that makes me sift my heart. And at a core level, ask myself, God, are you my God? And I'm going to use my money to serve you. Or have I let money become a God? And I'm using it as my source of security. I challenge you, wrestle with that at a heart level. Give it to God. Let these truths reframe the way we think about the world. Because I promise you this, no no matter what comes on the other side of this, God's still in control, and he's going to still call us to these principles. And I personally believe, I think as a church... We're going to have more opportunities to live this out and to have impact and to bring light into the world and to point people to Christ and to use this stuff he's given us to change people for all eternity. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you. I thank you for the simple truth of your word, but they're hard truths. I pray that I would not just preach them. Help me live them. Help me embrace this at a heart level. Lord, I pray for those who are out of work right now. I pray for those who've been impacted. Um, We pray for the stress, and we pray that we could step into that. Lord, I pray in this next season, as you are reorienting us, as you're using this time to strip away our, our idols, I pray, strip away the God of money. May it become the resource that you've given, but you be our God. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you in your journey of faith. To keep up with the latest messages and what's happening, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and visit venture.cc.